Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast that celebrates only the very finest video games in our opinions. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined, as always, by my childhood friend Christopher Dow. Dude, I almost had you! And on the telephone all the way from Fort Worth, Texas, my adulthood friend Minty Booth. Moon pies and beef jerky. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week, we have our number 65s. But uh, before we do that, I uh, don't know whether you guys fancy a trip down to the woods. Oh, <laughs> Always. Okay. <laughs> Maybe there we might find the physical manifestations of a cornucopia of mental health conditions. We can meet a small pig with anxiety, a dyslexic owl, an ADHD-riddled tiger, a manically depressed donkey, a rabbit afflicted with OCD, a socially anxious kangaroo, and above all, a bear with an impulsive and obsessive fixation on honey and an unfortunate name. All of which are being lauded over by their dear friend, the schizophrenic Quistopher Robin. Oh, Chris. <laughs> oh, hey. oh boy. Score is currently 1715 in favour of Chris. So, can Minty pull it back? I've got to. For my many fans. I can tell you now, you're not going to with this one. Oh. Which, which music rhythm game series? <laughs> 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 that has the player wielding a guitar-shaped controller came first. Rock band or guitar hero? Guitar hero. Guitar hero. I'm pretty sure Minty got in there first. I, I think he was. <laughs> How about that? That is that is one nil away from home. Oh, he's pulled it back. And you doubted me. I didn't. I just. I just. I wanted to get Chris overconfident, um, so that. Uh, yeah. I think you did it though, because I went into that feeling very relaxed, and then when the when the answer came up, I wasn't. I wasn't quick. I, I just kind of let it slip out gently, and that's that's no way to win a quiz, is it? So, what have we been playing this week, Chris? I have been playing the collection of Mana. That, that came out for the Switch, at least in the West. Collection of Mana. Or Mana? Mana? What do you say? Mana, because that's what it is. Is it? It is Mana, yes. <laughs> Look, Smithers, Garbo is coming! <laughs> <laughs> Look, Smithers, Mana! <laughs> so, yeah, this week I've played um, <laughs> the corrected collection of Mana, a, a three-game compilation which includes Final Fantasy Adventure, which is like an old Game Boy release, Secret of Mana from the Super Nintendo, and Tales of Mana, another Super Nintendo game, which was like a late, sprawling action RPG that's never been translated from Japanese until this particular package. Oh my. So that, that's why I was excited to play it. Because I mean, any of these things I could potentially play on emulation, but I, I think it's like such a big deal that this has been localised after like, what must be approaching almost 30 years now, like 25 years, that I, I always like supporting that kind of project, uh, just because it's nice to see these games we never had back in the day. Yeah. And I mean, so far, I've only played Final Fantasy Adventure, the Game Boy one, but I really like how brisk it is. And I think what puts me off a lot of uh, RPGs these days is they're always really sprawling. You get, it's really easy to get bogged down in, in just the weight of systems and stuff. Yeah. And this instead is like an RPG much more in the style of Link's Awakening. So it's like flick screen movement between little areas, lots of kind of item management through menus like, like you do in Link's Awakening as well. A few quite oblique puzzles, but stuff you can actually figure out like by talking to people in towns and things like that. And generally, I've just really loved my time with it. I'm probably about, I don't know, three, four hours into this one. I don't think it's the longest game. It's probably like under 10. 
But after that, I think I'll, I'll be in the mood finally to kind of tackle these these SNES games that I never really played in the past. And it's just nice to have it in a little package. It's, it's a nice game. Did you get a physical release? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know course. why I asked. Mincy, what have you been playing this week? Oh, so well, not much development from last week. Still chugging along with Dragon Quest. And I've recently swapped to an iPad thanks to my tax refund. So I've been playing. Hey. Well, I'm getting ready to play Roller Coaster Tycoon, oh. which I had on my phone uh, back in the day. I'm going to enjoy that on a bigger screen. And I've also been playing like an idle fishing game, which Mrs. Minty doesn't really approve of, <laughs> as well as an idle game that has you building a human body cell by cell. Oh, jeez. Oh, mm. blimey. So that's quite fun. Yeah, I'm sure you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Having fun, are you? Well, I'm certainly glad that you feel that. <laughs> <laughs> What I really meant was, that sounds exactly like your type of game. Yes. So I haven't really been playing too much this week. I decided to have a stab at the first This War of Mine stories from the expansion bit and the This War of Mine collection on the Switch. And it was very, very good. I must say, it was very good. It was nice to, to sort of play through the game with really sort of a very specific narrative driving it. It felt more like a game and less like a survival just sprawl, which I love. But to the point where if you died, you didn't lose everything and go back to the beginning. You could just reload the previous day because there were some sort of minor sort of set pieces and, and things like that. And yeah, that was that was good. Been playing a bit of Doom. Still getting really annoyed that every time you come out to the home menu and the Switch goes to sleep and you go back in, the game crashes. So it kind of loses that pick up and playability, which is really annoying. I'm assuming it's still something down to the Bethesda net yeah. thing. Who cares? Don't care. But yeah, I've just sort of been kicking my heels a little bit. I know Astral Chain is coming out at the end of the week as of recording this, and I'm looking forward to, to getting that, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want... <laughs> Don't know, really. Maybe it's because I've been playing too much this war of mine, but I need something something really good to come along the, to really kind of, whoa, you know, you know, whoa, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, maybe the two of us will, will suggest two fantastic games on our list, though, that you've never played and give you something to dig into. I don't have a Mega Drive or a SNES, so... So, shall we move on to the rankings? Yeah. Starting this week, we have my game. Now, this game on my list comes hot on the heels of my talking rather disparagingly about half of its protagonists last week. And it was alluded to by Chris, indeed. So it may surprise all of you that my 65th favourite video game of all time is actually one from the Rayman Raving Rabbids series. Ah. As... Chris also alluded to a few weeks back talking about Mario Golf. All things are improved by the inclusion of Mario. It's true. So my 65th favourite video game is the curveball collaboration between Nintendo and Ubisoft that is Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Ah, Lovely game. Lovely game. Now, I was certainly among those who raised their collective eyebrow at this announcement at E3 in 2017, I want to say. Probably. Let's say that. I think it yeah. was. Why would Nintendo risk lending their poster boy to a series that had received what can only be described as 
mixed reviews. It's <laughs> <laughs> charitable. If Mario teaming up with Sonic at the Olympics was one thing, this really did come out of nowhere. So let's talk about the game. So after the initial shock of the announcement had worn off, I realised what I was seeing was essentially Mario XCOM, a brilliantly staged, movement-oriented, turn-based strategy game. XCOM is a game that isn't on my list, but it is one that I really, really enjoyed. I think I've spoken before about how I don't really feel like I have the right brain for strategy games, but XCOM was actually one of the few that I I really enjoyed, and it's probably because you didn't necessarily need to be thinking three or four moves ahead with a big overall game plan. You could focus quite simply on the challenge that was in front of you each round and do the best with that, and I, I quite liked that. It felt sort of manageable. And... This is exactly what Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle was. You would take turns between your characters to move them across the battlefield to keep them behind cover or gain vantage over your enemies whilst utilising their individual special moves, unique weapons and try and defeat the enemy before they defeated you. Fairly simple. All of these battle stages were linked together in a beautifully designed Mushroom Kingdom overworld which in themselves had some brilliant puzzles and hidden areas and unlockables to find and the thing that surprised me the most about the game pleasantly i might add is that it really had that nintendo first party polish i'd say i I think it's without a doubt the best third party appearance of mario in a game to date i can't think of another one i think can you can you no certainly because anything that includes other characters has still been like a first party thing where the the other characters are the addition exactly and in terms of mario being loaned out elsewhere i almost can't think of any examples at all so the stages were pretty challenging but the game did allow you to engage a more relaxed mode of playing and you got to choose if you did this before each battle and if you did this your characters would be fully healed after the last battle you'd get a little bit of bonus health and the really nice thing was that the game didn't penalize you for choosing this option we spoke quite a few episodes back now about accessibility options and the discourse over the inclusion of easy modes and this is a really good example of it done well i think you know the challenge is there if you want it if not it won't hamper your experience of the game and feel like you're missing out or not doing as well as you should be doing even still the levels weren't easy but it was nice to have the option to kind of take them at the pace which you felt you wanted to whatever time it was you were playing it but there were a ton of challenge levels that you would find after completing worlds which didn't allow you to engage the easy mode and i mean they were really tough so whilst that was really good post-game content to be honest the later the stages got the harder they got they became more it became more like a puzzle game than a strategy game which i weirdly didn't enjoy as much even though i love puzzle games because these stages then you only really had one way to get through them you couldn't sort of hatch a strategy in the same way you kind of needed to know the solution of exactly which lineup you needed to choose for your party then which squares to move them to on which turn which weapons to equip them with which side effects those would have and like sometimes deliberately getting hit in order to be hit across the stage and it felt like there was a lot of trial and error involved in that because it's like, well, if you pick the wrong lineup, there was no way you could complete that stage. And then even if you did pick the right lineup, but then with the wrong weapon, 
then you wouldn't complete it. And it's like, well, yeah, that, that started to get quite frustrating. And I, I didn't, I don't, well, I didn't complete the last few of those. But there were only a few of those, to be honest, by the end. I did, however, get back into the game when the DLC came out featuring Donkey Kong. But it, it did take me a little while to come back to it, though, because I wasn't convinced that it was going to be really a significantly different gameplay experience to what I'd already done. It would just have more bananas or something. But to be fair, it was really, really good. And I totally underestimated just how different the mechanics were in this DLC. There was a whole new campaign, which had a really, really fun story. And because of the new mechanics that Donkey Kong had, it threw well, a whole load of new strategies into the mix. And also he was so significantly different that you weren't able to use him in the main game levels as he would absolutely steamroller everything. But the levels in the new campaign were really well designed around what he could do, which was, well, smash things and throw things and spring about and stuff like that. So all the levels, even though you had this character that was, like, felt so much more powerful than the other characters that you were playing with, the stages were built to match and it felt, oh, it was great. It was really, just really, really good. Really good. But I think the best way of summing up this game is... It is the epitome of a pleasant surprise. <laughs> and to be honest, I was mostly surprised at how funny I found the game. And it struck me, writing this, why that was. It's the missing ingredient in a lot of comedy, because what the rabbits really needed was a straight man. <laughs> and yeah. whilst reckless anarchy and willful silliness can sometimes be entertaining, a la Rick Mayle, the rabbits characters... Well, they did not have that quality on their own. Although, if Ubisoft decided to produce an animated guest house Rabbidiso, I'd probably <laughs> check it out. Oh. <laughs> but then, so when they teamed up with Mario and those characters, the boss-eyed goofiness of the rabbits had something to play off against. And this combination, I felt it was, in t- at times, actually almost quite reminiscent of Wallace and Gromit, the Curse of the Were-Rabbit film, with yeah. its bunny-based shenanigans and... And when you saw the rabbits dressed up as like the various Mario characters, it was like when that, <laughs> that ridiculous, slightly terrifying Cronenbergian yes. Wallace rabbit hybrid appears in that film. And yeah, it, it, it really made me laugh a lot. There's a just really funny, great game. Hope they make another one. Oh. What I think this game did remarkably well, and again, talking about this idea of like loaning Mario to a third party is it's a strategy game. So it's meant to be, I don't know, you assume like grid-based games are reasonably stiff. You assume they're kind of, kind of, you know, quite deliberate movement. And yet this captured something about like the freeform movement of Mario really, really well. Yeah. The, the way it kind of used the different abilities of the characters. There was far more movement options than you usually have in like a, a vanilla XCOM game, like you said, or, or that kind of strategy game. Yeah. And it was really weird to see that employed in a genre which i think can be quite stale sometimes and aside from this being obviously much more colorful and kind of having that that character in the writing and the way it was put together it just it had more options to it it just felt like you could get around differently than you you can in those games traditionally yeah really good really really good thank you i mean i'm not i don't know why i'm saying thank you fucking hell i didn't make it jesus (laughs) you'd be the first to know if i did i would so, moving on, we have Chris's game. Can you please tell us, please, about your 65th favourite video game, please? Yes. 
despite not getting the quiz question right today, we all know that I'm a fan of rhythm games. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've mentioned one or two on this list before, but one that I really, really love is Parappa the Rapper and its sequel, Parappa the Rapper 2. Now, they're both games that I really love, but they are games that outside of their music and their art, which I think are still legitimately brilliant, they don't hold up that well as games if you've never played them before. So, so to pick up the original Prep the Rapper now, it's just, it's not that much of a game. <laughs> like, it's, it's, there's just not that much to it. And the rhythm action genre went on to kind of bloom in games like Guitar Hero, like we said earlier, and stuff like that. And even this kind of like quirky story-based rhythm game was eclipsed in things like Guitar Man or Elite Beat Agents and stuff like that. That they're kind of, they're niche releases, but they do what a Prepper did earlier much better. There's just more to it. And, and playing Prepper now, like the main game of Prepper the Rapper takes 25 minutes to beat at a push. And then depending on your understanding of how the game is kind of like testing for, for accuracy of your inputs and stuff like that, you can then max the rating on each of the stages after like a few further plays of each. Uh, so it's, it's a very, very, very short game. And it's not really something that you, you return to now outside of maybe just like looking up a clip on YouTube and thinking, oh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Prepper 2 tried to mix it up a bit. But again, there's just there's not enough of the game there to kind of recommend it to newcomers unless they are really drawn into the visual style and the music, which, as I said, are great, but they're just not that gamey anymore. But my 65th favourite game is kind of a much, you know, littler known spin-off that was on the PlayStation 1 called Um Jamma Lamy. Don't they drink that in the jungle? <laughs> you should do the song. <laughs> no. Oh. But yeah, it, it doesn't seem to receive any of the plaudits in the main games. And it's a real shame because it is much, much better. And although you can now play Prepper 1 and 2 on the PS4, they're both available to download, there's no way of picking up Mjamalami now outside of if you have the PlayStation 1 disc or if you emulate it or, or some kind of way like that. I assume most people know this if you're listening to a video games podcast, but Prepper is all about kind of repeating a line of lyrics that are spoken to you by sort of a master character. So you've got the uh, classic Chop Chop Master Onion from the first stage will shout, kick, punch, block, and then Parappa will mimic it with kick, punch, block in his little squeaky voice when you press the buttons in time. It's like he's here with us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um Gemma Lamy is completely different because she's a guitarist. She, she's not a vocalist like the main character. So instead, each level still has the, the setup that a, a master, as it were, is, is saying something to you. But instead of just repeating the lyrics back, you're matching their intonation using sort of guitar licks. And it means that overall, it's just a much more expressive game. It's much more fun to watch and to listen to. It's much more musical. And when you eventually get better and start kind of like freestyling between set commands, it doesn't sound anywhere near as jarring as Parappa does when you're sort of trying to say kick, punch, block, and all you hear is punch in no sort of time. It's like, it just sounds like a skipping record. Whereas in Lamy, you've got much more control to kind of make it sound a bit more musical. You know, there's an actual musicality to it as it is a music game. After you beat each stage, you also get given access to kind of guitar modifiers as like pedals, essentially. So you unlock like a wire pedal or a phaser and things like that. And again, it makes the way you play feel more satisfying because you have a bit more control. You have a bit more kind of um, input as to what the stages actually sound like. So it starts to feel like it's more than just following button prompts, something that Prepper never really does, even when you're trying to kind of get higher ratings and freestyle. The game's story is also much better than Prepper's. I mean, the original Prepper came out what, early 90s or, or approaching mid 90s, it has you desperately chasing the affections of a sunflower named Sunny Funny. And in each stage, you're essentially trying to be taught a desirable skill with which to try and impress and woo Sunny Funny. And it's a very sort of traditionally masculine storyline that plays into that preconceived notion of, you know, what women want in relationships. 
and it takes all kind of like agency off Sunny's character. Like she's, she's purely just like a foil in the background for Parappenstrein in press. So she's just something that you strive for, like a, a winnable trophy at the end. Which women are not. Which they are not. Which we, we all know, or all should know that they are not. Whereas in Um Jamma Lamy, Lamy is a young woman who's a very talented guitarist which is established in kind of like early cutscenes before the game starts properly. But she's, you know, really crippled by self-doubt. So she has no kind of belief that she is good at what she does. And each stage in its own kind of quirky way is about her tackling her own insecurities. And it means that eventually she's kind of gradually able to sort of celebrate her own skills and abilities. And it's surprisingly touching for a game that is as silly as it looks and sounds. So there's like a really nice backbone to it, whereas Parappa was purely just functional, get to the end, that's what we're trying to win and, and kind of get at the, at the end of the game. What it also has more than Parappa, and I've kind of mentioned it already, that it's a much bigger, better game as opposed to just experience. There's just way more replay value. So you, you have a variety of ways to play each stage. At first you, you go through and you have kind of the master speaking in line to you that you repeat with the guitar. You unlock modes later where you sort of like battle against another guitarist, like a kind of duel. And most impressively when you finish the game when, when kind of the credits roll you unlock Parappa so you can go through the whole game as Parappa and play it like a normal Parappa experience when you are repeating words back and it's the type of post-game reward that I, I know Minty loves and you've mentioned about Zelda as well the other week Jonathan that it's like it's a whole extra game yeah it, feel, it felt mind-blowing as a kid that yeah. you, you finish the game and you basically unlock something that's as big as the original Parappa the Rapper was for free just in your game it's Pokemon Gold of rhythm games exactly I, th- I think it is <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call it the gold standard they do they do because it, it all comes back to that it's weird how language evolves isn't it <laughs> I can't praise the game enough. Like, I really, really love it. I I beat it 100% last year after not having played it, essentially since I had it on the PlayStation 1. And it still holds up incredibly well. Like I mentioned, it's very hard to get hold of now, which it's just a shame because it's a fundamentally better experience than the Parappa games. It's just that, sadly, because it didn't capture the sort of cultural zeitgeist that Parappa did at the beginning of like the PlayStation 1 CD-ROM streaming audio era, that... You know, games just moved on in the, sh- the few short years before Lamy came out. People had already moved past what Parappa represented at the start of the PlayStation sort of era. But I would love to see it get like a digital re-release. I think it really deserves to be kind of revisited by people that never played it. And if nothing else, like, you know, in the same way that Parappa really holds up musically, if you watch any of the songs on YouTube, they are really well written. They're really playful. They're really funny. It's just, it's a really good experience. And uh, yeah, go and play it even though it's difficult to do. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. I've never played a Parappa the Rapper game. You're missing out. Again, it was something (laughs) like Turok. I remember it being quoted at me massively in school and never really understanding what it was or why why it was, more than anything. (laughs) Moving on, finally, we have Minty. Minty. Can you please tell us about your 65th favourite video game of all time? I can. A fresh twist on the classic 3D platformer abounds, with the inclusion of weird children that have psychic powers. We follow a young lad called Rasputin as he crashes a summer camp following an escape from the circus. Now this summer camp is not just any summer camp, it's a summer camp for people with ESP, and they're being trained up to become Psychonauts. Which is, uh, that's that's the title of the game, which is my game, <laughs> is in this list, this episode. He soon uncovers a dramatic plot to create an, an army of death tanks using the camper's brains. I played this a long, long time ago, so my bump is a little, a little shorter than usual. Did you complete it at least? No, for a good reason. Oh. 
<laughs> I played it on a laptop, which was not built for gaming purposes. So it was, it was a juddery slog, let's say. <laughs> but despite that, it was a fantastic evolution of the 3D platformer with a little slice of uh, surreal psychological thriller peppered in. And each level took place in people's subconsciousness via a door directly into their brain. So every single level was just so different and so so fantastically realised that, in my opinion, the game stands wholly in a field of one. Well, until the sequel comes out, I don't think there's ever really been anything like it, to be honest. It's jumping from like the, the summer camp into a topsy-turvy neighbourhood created by an unhinged milkman that sees you infiltrate a government conspiracy to a risk-style level in Fred Bonaparte's mind made this an extraordinary game to play. And like I said, despite my very old laptop being ground to a near halt every time I wanted to play it. <laughs> really fantastic game, very joyful. A fine game. Well, no, more than that. A double fine game. Oh, I was waiting for that. Way. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I haven't played it. It got a really good interstitial VR sequel as well that's kind of like a... It's a first-person kind of game, but it feels very much like a classic Tim Schafer point-and-click game. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with the second one uh, when it eventually comes out. It's been in production for about 500 years now, I think. Yes, at least. It's set to come out next year, I think, but then, you know, lots of things are. Something that this game did, which I just really like in general, is it sort of gives you the framework of what the game is going to be in this case. Oh, you're, you're, you're undergoing training to become a psychonaut. And then as the game goes on, that narrative sort of breaks down and you're sort of forced outside of the structure that they've put in place. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you think that this game is just going to be, oh, you're doing mini games with your psychic powers, but by the end of it, you're sort of basically toppling the entire summer camp because it turns out to be evil hmm. and i think just breaking out of it is something that i really really like when it's done in video games which we may hear about very very soon in my list Ooh. oh my mm. what a tease you are both a little tidbit yeah i'm teasing you <laughs> oh my so there we have it another three games first of all we had Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, and then Um Jamalami. Before finally, Mind Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do leave us a review, like us, subscribe to us, share it on social media, tell your friends, tell a loved one, tell an unloved one. Why not? You know, make make amends, build that bridge. Unless you hate the podcast, in which case, recommend it to them with great vitriol. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook. If you search for our three cents, we are there. Feel free to get involved in any of the conversations that we have going on there. Leave us any questions that you might like us to answer in a future episode. Or you can reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at my unique Twitter handle at Chaz underscore Hodges. You'll find me at... Minty Booth. And please do join us next week for our When I'm 64s.